Take your Bibles tonight and turn to the turn to Proverbs chapter one, would you? Proverbs chapter one. And our Bibles here this evening. Proverbs chapter one. Well, I loved going to camp as a camper, and I loved counseling uh, at a camp for two summers. And uh, as I was watching the video, I was watching some of the counselors jumping up and down and expending all of that energy, and it brought back some memories. I'll tell you, uh, I could sleep. Uh, I was in southeastern Pennsylvania at High Point Camp, is where I counseled for two summers, and it was hot. There was no air conditioning in the A-frame cabins where we were at, and uh, we had 11 or 12 junior-age boys, and you would think you wouldn't be able to sleep like that. Uh, you know, 85 degree at, degrees at night and 11 junior age boys. But actually, after walking around all day, you sleep like a baby <laughs> every day. And uh, what fond memories. So I want you to know, young people who went to camp, I was praying for you every day. And I uh, hope you had an awesome time and a lot of fun. But more than that, I know you made some decisions when the Bible was taught and preached. Um, you stay true to those decisions, Okay. You follow through, you live it out as best as you can, and when you fall, you confess it and get back on your feet and keep right on going, okay? And God has some great things for your lives, and I'm happy to have you home. All right, you're in Proverbs chapter 1. I want to start tonight a a um, mini-series from Proverbs primarily on five personalities or five types of people that um, Solomon... uh, penned down or wrote about to his son. And in some ways, Solomon, King Solomon, was warning his son about some of these personalities. And on the other hand, he was exhorting his son uh, to be one of these personalities or to have a certain type of character. And uh, the personalities that we're going to look uh, look at in Proverbs are the slothful or the sluggard, what do you think of when I say the word slothful? Lazy. Okay. Uh, Ian, it's been a little while, but we were talking about slothfulness. And Ian said to me, he said, Dad, I just think sloths, they just got to, somebody ought to change their name or something. You know, they, they just can't help it if they don't move very fast. You know, why did they get that name? You know, they're not necessarily lazy. They're just slow movers, you know, as creatures. And that's probably true for sloths, but it's not so true for people. People can be lazy, and uh, Solomon warns his son against being lazy, slothfulness, being a sluggard. Um, uh, The other personality we're going to look at is uh, the simple person. The simple person, and then the uh, scorner, and then the fool, and then the wise. And, of course, out of all five of those personalities that are talked about in Proverbs, the only one that Solomon encouraged his son to be like or to receive is wisdom. Be wise. Be wise. Be be a wise person. And as we look at these different personalities in Proverbs, and I'm not going to rush through it, I want to make some application that's very specific to friendships. Friendships. Um, should you, what kind of friends should you choose? You know, you do get to choose your friends. You do get to choose your friends. Um, you, uh, is it wise to have a scorner as a friend? Now, we might have a hard time in this room defining what a scorner is tonight. We're going to look at that just uh, uh, briefly tonight. Um, but is it wise, if you're a mom and dad and you have children... Uh, is it wise for your children to be friends with a fool? Um, now, and I'm not just using that term, you know, uh, I'm not just using it flippantly or carelessly, you know, you're a fool. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it that way. But, but there are different personalities in the world. There are people who are lazy. There are people who are simple. There are people who are scorners. There are people who are fools. And there are people who are wise. We're going, to, we're going to look at it as it relates to friendships. We're going to look at it as it relates to dating. Now, I don't know. I'm looking around here. Who's dating? I, I don't know who all is dating or who wants to be dating. For that matter, I don't know. Uh, but dating has a point. And the point of dating is to 
marry somebody, right? That's the goal of dating. And, uh, and so as, as you're looking and praying for God's will in your life when it comes to who God has for you to marry, um, it's a real problem if you marry a slothful person. Uh, it gets worse if you marry a scorner or a fool, especially if you're a lady. And so then you're, you're, you're reading scripture and you're saying, okay, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. But the problem is you've married a fool. You've married a scorner. Or maybe you've married a slothful man. And marriage is till death do we part. And many a lady's life has been very miserable because they married somebody who was a fool. So we're going to look at this from different perspectives, different applications, friendship, dating. How about in the workplace or in the ministry of the local church? Um, we got some in this room, and you know, Pastor Tolman oversees the music ministry at Trinity Baptist Church. Uh, Jeff oversees the Awana ministry. Mr. Jex, you oversee the Sunday school ministry at Trinity Baptist Church. And there are others in this room as well. Um, You're in the workplace. Maybe you have some people who work for you. Well, you ought to be really careful. You don't want to hire somebody who's a slothful person. You don't want to hire somebody who's a scorner. You see what I'm saying? There's very, we're going to see some very uh, obvious, practical application as we go along. Uh, children, children, what kind of children do you have? <laughs> and, and I want to tell you right up front, I'm thinking about this. Have I ever been lazy before? Has, did my dad or mom ever give me a job to do or some schoolwork to study? Have have there been times in my life where I have been lazy before and played the sloth or the sluggard? Yes. Yes, there have. Um, Have there ever been times in my life when I've been the simple person, just kind of wandering around, just whatever anybody does, I do? Yeah, there have. How about the scorner? Have I ever played the scorner before in my life? Yeah. I've ever played the fool before in my life. Yeah. And, and so I say that just to say this. You know, I, I want you as parents, I want you to consider your children. I want you to compare scripture, what God says about these five personalities. And I want you to look at your children and look at your own lives and say and ask the question, what kind of personality am I? What kind of personality is my child? For those of us who have parented for any time, we know that we can see trends with our children. Um, in some things, they work very hard. In other things, they don't. Sometimes you see a simplicity. They're just kind of going with the flow. And other times, they take a stand and do what's right. That's wisdom. And so we're going to look at the Word of God and what God says about these personalities and then we're going to apply it to our families, our personal lives, our workplace. And I hope that you do. And for those of you who are in a position of authority in your workplace, you have people working under you. This study can be tremendously, will be tremendously helpful to you. How you interact with other people. Knowing who you're working with. Knowing who is working for you. Knowing who you're doing business with, how they're thinking, what's motivating them will be a tremendous asset to you just in your life as a a practical rule. So let's look at our text, Proverbs chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 20. We're going to look just at a few verses tonight in this particular passage. We're going to look at several verses outside of it uh, about what the Bible has to say about these personalities. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse number 20. The Bible says this, Wisdom crieth without. The idea is that she's crying out for someone to hear her. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, that is the place of business, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, and here's the questions, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? It's just natural, simple people love being simple. They don't want responsibility. They don't want to have to make a decision. Let somebody else lead them. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning. 
and fools hate knowledge. And then verse 23, turn you at my reproof. Wisdom is speaking here. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Let's pray, and then we'll look just as an introductory message tonight into these personalities from Proverbs, and, uh, and then we'll study it throughout the remainder of the summer on Sunday nights. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Father, I pray that you would, that you would bless us with wisdom. You tell us to ask for wisdom, and Father, I pray that that would be the heart's cry of everybody in this room. Father, I pray that you would give wisdom to dads and husbands in this room and to moms and wives, men and ladies. Uh, We have singles, Lord. They're not married, and they're content if that's your will, but, Lord, they're open to what you have for them. I pray that our hearts cry would be wisdom. I pray for young people here. I pray for some boys and girls. Not just teenagers, Lord, but some younger than that. I pray that there'd be some who'd begin to pray and begin to ask you to make them wise and who'd live their lives wisely. Father, I pray that you would spare us from the heartaches that come from these other personalities and the grief and the regret. And Father, I pray that be wise. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Look again at verse 20 and 21. We'll just move quickly through them. But here we have in these verses, we have wisdom crying out. Now, we don't often think of wisdom as speaking. But here in the passage, we do. We find wisdom speaking. Um, You know, the Lord Jesus Christ is wise. God is wise. God speaks to us through his word. And in, in verse 20, it says, Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. It's It's available is the idea. Wisdom is available. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. And again, it's speaking about in the business world even. There's wisdom available. Um, And then it says, in the city she uttereth her words, saying. And then she asks these questions. And she addresses three of the five personalities that we're going to be looking at. She addresses the simple person. She addresses the scorner. And she addresses the fool. And she asks the questions to all three of these individuals. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and the fools hate knowledge. Now I want to, just as an introduction tonight, I want to look at these three personalities that are in verse number 22. Okay, And maybe you've studied this passage before. Maybe you're fully aware of the personalities that... Solomon and God address and identify in the book of Proverbs. But maybe you've never heard of them before. If I were to ask you tonight, what kind of a person are you? What would your answer be? Now, I've already confessed to you tonight that I've played all of these personalities in my life. Okay, and the truth is, most all of us in this room from here on out, are probably going to play one of these personalities or more than them. But my question to you is this, what personality characterizes you? Could God characterize you as a wise person who occasionally slips into simplicity or occasionally plays the part of the fool? Or... Would God, looking at you, would he characterize you as being the simpleton or as being the scorner? Now, we have some in this room, and you're, you're in high school, some are in college, and uh, you were at camp just recently. And you know what? As we go through this study, you, you'll probably be able to remember some of the kids that you were with. You might remember them. You might think, and I'm not, I'm not preaching this so we can go around judging everyone else, okay? You know, I'm not going to give you like those big... Uh, fingers, you know, those big foam fingers, and so you can point out the scorners wherever you go, you know, or point out the fools. That's, that's not the purpose of this. It, the primary purpose is so that we'll know who we are, okay, and, and be who God wants us to be. But who are you? Are you the simpleton? Are you the scorner? Are you the fool? 
Or are you a wise person? Let's, let's look first of all there at verse 22, the beginning part, and let's look at the first personality here. It says, how long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And it's interesting, isn't it, that the simple person loves simplicity. They love being simple. Now, hold your place in Proverbs chapter 1 and look with me over to chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7 in our Bibles. Proverbs chapter 7. And I'll begin, and re- begin reading in verse number 6. And I'm going to read a passage to you that's quite... Um, it takes you aback. It's striking. Because at first, we might think about someone who's simple, and we might think, you know what, they just like to have a lot of fun. No big deal. They're just, they're just fun-loving, and, you know, they're just not very wise. But it's no big deal. You know, they'll grow up someday. But you know what? In Proverbs chapter 7, we find somebody who God identifies as a simple person, and it costs him his life. Look here in Proverbs chapter 7, and I'll begin reading in verse number 6. And I'm going to read down through verse 27, okay? So follow along. Uh, the Bible's speaking here. Uh, of course, Solomon's looking out his window. And it says, For at the window of my house I looked through my casement. He looks out his window and beheld among the simple ones. So simple people tend to run in groups. I beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. Passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house, and in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot. Interesting how God identifies that a person can wear something that looks or is the attire of a harlot. That's not me speaking that. I'm not preaching on dress standards tonight or what you should wear. It's interesting, though, God identifies her as this. Look at verse 11. She has a personality. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets and lieth and wait at every corner. So she caught him, this simple young man, And kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day I have paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. So she's flattering this simple person. She says, I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. For the good man, her husband, is not at home. He has gone a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. And with her much fair speech, it says in verse 21, she caused him, the simpleton, the simple young man, to yield with the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dark strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. Then Solomon says, Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. For she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. You can go back to Proverbs chapter 1. Now, that's a long passage to read, but isn't it gripping? You know, it's not okay to be simple. We're all kind of born that way into life. We're all simple. And and maybe you're a new believer. You're a fairly new Christian. Maybe you don't know a lot of what the Bible says. The Word of God gives wisdom, by the way. It gives discernment. But I want you to know something. You can't stay simple forever. When my children were young, they were simple to many things, right? I mean, touching things that would burn them. (laughs) Remember the outlet fear we all had, you know? The butter knife and the outlet fear. I don't know how many of your children you let wander around with butter knives in your home. We never did, but it was still a fear. What if... 
one of our children got a, I probably shouldn't talk about this, you know? <laughs> I probably shouldn't talk. If your children do this, don't hold it against me, okay? But you know what? They're simple. Children tend to be simple, right? We, they, they do things. I, I'll never forget Ian dancing in the middle of the road as a toddler. Yes, the pastor's son was dancing. I don't know. It must have been something the cars or something like that. I don't know. Or maybe Finding Nemo or whatever it was. But what was my boy doing in the middle of the road? I don't know, except he wanted to be a car. But he wasn't a car. Boy, little boys or toddlers don't belong in the road. They just don't. But simple, simple. Are you simple? Simple, the word simple means one void of understanding. One void of understanding. Some of us could be simple about changing a tire. If you get a flat tire, you don't have a clue what to do. You'll, you'll call that number on that sticker on your car. I have a flat tire. That's what you do. That's how you handle it. You're simple when it comes to taking care of a tire. You know, when it comes to uh, technological things, I tend to be a little simple. Don't I, Pastor Burden? He laughs. Okay. I tend to be a little simple. And so you know what I do? I come to Pastor Burden and say, would you help me with this? And very graciously, he'll help me with those things that I'm simple about. We're going we're gonna to look at this, but you know, the Bible says it's good to be simple when it comes to things that are evil. I think I heard somebody just recently, and it kind of saddened my heart. It was some believers, and, uh, and it was, you've never heard of that person? And it was, I don't know, it was either a movie star, a rock singer, or something like that. You never heard of them? <laughs> oh, come on, you've never heard of them? You know what? It's okay to be simple when it comes to evil. It really is. It really is. Uh, you ought to have a goal as parents when it comes to your children that they'll not have their eyes and their mind polluted with wicked images when they're young. The reality is, our children, we, living in this ungodly world, are going to see things that we wish we never saw. That's the reality of life. And that kind of sobers us all up as grandparents and parents. Our children are going to see things that we wish they'd never seen before. That's true. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't put up some fences in the lives of our children to help protect their innocence as they're growing up, lest their minds be polluted at an early age. Lest Satan get some sort of a foothold in their lives or an addiction be created at an early age and be able to uh, uh, germinate and sprout and making it more difficult to overcome in the days to come. So simple means one void of understanding. And there's some characteristics that Proverbs brings out about the simple person. What does the simple person look like? Uh, well, the simple person, and I've, I've given different sayings with each one of these personalities, and the simple person might say something like this. Uh, you, you might ask them, well, hey, what do you think about, what do you think about uh, this movie? I don't know. What do you think about this, this kind of music? Oh, I don't know. Uh, what do you think about... Uh, and you fill in the blank. What do you think about? And you could name something, and they just don't know. It's like, but you could say, hey, do you want to go watch it? Yeah. Uh, do you want to listen to it? Yeah. Hey, what do you think about what they're doing? Oh, I don't know. Or you're going? Okay, I'll go too. You see, the simple person doesn't really have much backbone. The simple person doesn't really have all that many opinions, they just kind of, they're very fluid. They just kind of go with whatever's going on around them. Now, if you have a child who's simple, and I can't get too bogged down here because we need to move on, but if you have a child, or if you're a person who's simple, uh, as a parent, you ought to be concerned if your child is a simple young person. And it's partly our responsibility as parents to train up our children in the ways of wisdom using God's word so that when our children are out in the world, when our children are tempted, when our children are surrounded by scorners, or like what happened in Proverbs chapter 7, our children know, I'm not going to look at it. Not, oh, I don't know. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> Is that where we're going? Hey, where do you want to go to eat? You want to go to Wendy's? You want to go to Culver's? Oh, I don't know. Have an opinion. You know, don't be simple, 
Being simple is not just being nice. Being simple is one who's void of understanding. Now, there are some characteristics that Proverbs brings out about the simple person, uh, and I'll give them to you. One of them is that a simple person is ignorant of truth. By the way, that's why it's so important. Be in Sunday school if you can. Bring your children. Have them a part of the Iwana program. Come to a Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study. Be here on Sunday morning. Be here Sunday night. Hear the word of God taught. I do not know where I would be if it had not been for my parents having me under the word of God throughout my entire life. I thank them for that publicly. I praise God for that. And there were times, no doubt, when I didn't feel like going And they said, you're going. And they said it with the right spirit, as best I can remember. They led by example. I praise the Lord for that. But uh, a a characteristic of a simple person, if you want to raise a simple person, if you want to be a simple person, be void or ignorant of the truth. A simple person doesn't know what the truth is about a matter. What does God say about abortion? Does he care? What does the Bible really say about alcohol? Does he say anything? What does the Bible say about relationships? Dating relationships. A relationship between a man and a woman. What does the Bible say? You see, a simple person is inevitably just going to go with the flow if they're ignorant of the truth. The simple lacks understanding. Don't bother me with the facts. Don't bother me with logic. Don't, Bible, don't bother me. I, I don't want to think about it. Might be their mantra. Secondly, I noticed that the simple person lacks purpose and direction. The simple person lacks purpose and direction. He just kind of goes with the flow. The simple young lady is a chameleon. She'll dress like everybody else dresses. She'll act like the people she's surrounded with. She wants to look like the people she's with. Well, Mom, they're wearing that. I want to wear it, too. Now, it's just the mark of a simple person. And don't, by the way, we don't need to jump down the throat of our children. Or, or we don't need to walk away tonight going, I'm, I'm a horrible, I'm a simple person. No, no. We've all played the simple person, but we don't have to be simple, you see. Um, the, the simple young lady wants to talk like those she's surrounded with. And she might stay up late with the group she's with. She's going to watch whatever comes on. She's in the car with other people, all the young people. She's going to listen to whatever comes on. She's not going to take a stand. Uh, if, if she's, this is ter- terrifying if, you're, if your daughter is dating a young man who's a scorner or a fool. Because your daughter, if she's simple, she will go as far as that young man wants her to go. If you're a simpleton and you're an adult and you're in the workplace, the same is true. Okay. So being simple is not necessarily a good thing. A simple person is ignorant of the truth. They lack purpose and direction. They're easily misled and deceived. In Romans 16 and verse 18, the latter part, the Bible says, Good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So the young person wants to be liked. They want to be accepted. He, he does not normally like to make decisions. The simple person would rather follow. Now, what are the consequences for being a simple person? Look at verse 32 of Proverbs chapter 1. Uh, the consequence for the simple is that if they reject wisdom, if they reject the fear of the Lord, if they reject biblical knowledge and biblical and parental reproof, they're going to be destroyed. Look at Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 32. The beginning part says, For the turning away of the simple shall slay them. It's, it's an absolute disaster for the simple. Now maybe that comes in the form of financial ruin. And I need to move on because we're going to cover this in depth. Maybe it comes in the form of, of, of sexual immorality. It can come in all kinds of forms, but it's absolutely destructive. Being a simpleton is not okay. Number two, look at verse 22 of chapter 1. 
And look at, look, notice the scorner. Verse 22 of chapter 1, he says, And the scorners delight in their scorning. He's asking a question. How long are the scorners going to delight, love themselves in their scorning? Scorners do love themselves, by the way. The scorner is somebody, somebody who interprets truth from his own viewpoint. He doesn't need to know anything else. Don't bother me with what the Bible says. He really resents authority, by the way. Authority as a rule for the scorner, the authority for the scorner is his enemy. And whoever the authority is, anybody who stands there and, and not, I don't mean a, a, uh, with a, you know, uh, this authority figure is out of line in their authority. You know, they're beating everybody up with their authority, you know, putting people. I know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody who's legitimately a teacher at school, a coach, uh, uh, an employer. They're just doing their job. The scorner resents, as a rule of thumb, authority. And they look at themselves as their own authority. A scorner is somebody who, by definition, interprets truth from his own viewpoint. He doesn't need all the facts, he just needs what he knows. The word scorner literally means to make mouths at, or teacher, or teacher. Scorner means teacher. And I love the definition, makes mouths at, because a scorner would so do this. And especially in a classroom setting. You know, the teacher's like, uh, class, take out your books and turn... No, I'm not, I'm not doing that justice. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, how, how should I do it? Scorners, take out... No, wait. Take out your books, class, and turn to page 33. And the scorner would do something like I just did. And they'd be like... You know, they would make a face and they would mouth the words. Okay. Now, you may not do it just like that if you're a scorner. But it can be audible, too. Mocking other people is a mark of a scorner. Now, I'm not saying you can't pick on your friend. I'm not saying you can't enjoy one another and tease and enjoy one another and share that. When my brothers and I get together, we just have a great time with each other, and we have a lot of fun with each other. My sister, likes, loves to, Heather, loves to pick on me when we're around each other. And it is a show of affection. But I'm telling you, a scorner, a scorner is a teacher. So if in a classroom you have a teacher who's legitimately the teacher, and you have a scorner in the room, you can identify him or her because he is trying to be the leader of the entire class. Now, you probably sat him in the very back. You might have, you might find the scorner easily identified. If you and I were just to pass through a school and we were to look into a classroom, we could probably identify him because he has been segregated from the rest of the, the group of young people because the teacher is trying to maintain some sort of control and the scorner is, is opposing her or him at every turn trying, he wants all the kids looking at him. And it's so funny because I can remember this as a student in college and uh, especially when I was in Wisconsin, the school in Wisconsin, because um, there were guys, every time the teacher would say something, he'd have to make a comment. And you know what all the simple ones were doing? You know what we were doing? We were laughing at everything he said. So the teacher would say, and this is where this happened. And he'd have something, pardon me, foolish to say. It was ignorant. And we'd all go, and you know what? The scorner is not somebody that God honors. The scorner is not somebody that God blesses. The scorner is, is somebody that you, as a parent, you should keep your children away from. Okay. Uh, look at some of the characteristics of the scorner. And, and when I think of the characteristics of the simple, I think they say, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know what I want to do. The scorner says it this way, hey, I've got everything under control. I know what we'll do. We're going here. The scorner always has a plan. He's quick. Now, he's quick on his feet. He's quick with his tongue. And he's always got a plan. A couple characteristics for the scorner. The scorner is proud. He tends to be proud and he tends to be angry. 
he mocks instruction. He mocks whoever doesn't share his position. You might be in your workplace. You might work with a scorner. And if you disagree with him, he will do his best to mock you, to belittle you. That's the scorner. Don't be a scorner, okay? He defends himself relentlessly. He reacts defensively and with hostility to those who challenge his behavior and positions, and especially leadership. He will turn around and openly accuse authority, biblical authority, for being wrong, and he will do it publicly. He has no shame. He does this to his parents all the time. Frankly, most of the time when a a young person has grown up and been allowed to develop into a scorner, and that is something that parents allow, by the way. Parents are afraid of their scorner child. He's in control, and he loves it. He defends himself. He's defensive. Proverbs 9, verse 8 says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. If you're going to reprove a scorner... Know this, he's going to hate you for it. Proverbs 13, verse 1 says, A scorner heareth not rebuke. He's not listening. He's the teacher. In his mind, Proverbs 15, verse 12 says, A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. He won't do it. So the scorner is proud and angry. The scorner lacks wisdom. Proverbs 14, verse 6 says, A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not, but knowledge is easy unto him that understandeth. And the scorner causes contention. Now in pride, okay, because he, he knows what's best, he knows what's cool. In pride, he surrounds himself with fellow scorners, and he especially loves people who are simple. He loves simpletons. You'll think you're his best friend as long as you do what he wants you to do. You're his best friend. And with his tongue, he'll actively work to tear down the leadership. He'll actively work. A scorner will complain about the rules at school. He'll complain about the rules at at the workplace. He always knows better. It's amazing, though, the scorners many times aren't in a position of authority. (laughs) But they, in their mind, they're the smartest person on the workplace floor. They know how the whole thing should be run. He, tears, he works to tear down those who oppose his behavior and his positions. Proverbs 22 and verse 10 says, Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. What should happen? And please hear me. If you have a child, and your child is a scorner, what should the local school do with your child? I'm going to read that verse again. Proverbs 22.10. Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. Now, most of the time, administrations and, and, uh, and teachers and educational places are very long-suffering. They want children. That's why they're working in that field. They love children. Okay. But the Bible says, God says, the only way you're going to have peace in your classroom or in your school, or in your church, is if you cast out the scorner. Now, if you're a parent, you can't cast them out. Uh, Phil, I'm pretty sure the police would be called. Right? You can't cast them out. And, and we'll look at some of the other ways it can be, it can be handled. But if you're a parent and, you're, and your child's a scorner, don't defend your child. You work, with, you work with the godly leadership that God has brought into the life of your child, and you pray and beg God to deliver the soul of your child as a scorner, lest this happen. And look at the consequences. What happens to a scorner? Isaiah 28 and verse 22, the beginning part says, Now therefore be ye not mockers, that has the idea of being a scorner, lest your bands to sin be made strong. The scorner is characterized by pride. They're the enemy of God. And the longer they continue as a scorner, the bands of sin grow tighter and tighter and tighter, and it will destroy them. It'll destroy their marriage. It might be more than one marriage. It'll destroy several marriages. 
It'll destroy their own kids, your grandchildren. It'll destroy churches. It'll destroy people's lives, people's reputations, okay? A scorner is a dangerous individual, and it's not okay to be one. In our society, you know that scorners are absolutely very popular? They are. They're some of the most popular people. People who are quick to talk, mock authority. Scorners are some of the people in our society that are looked up to the most. It's not okay. It's a disaster. There's one more and we'll be done, and that's the fool. Look at verse 22, the latter part. He says this. And why, how long are fools going to hate knowledge? Fools. How long are fools going to hate knowledge? In in Psalm 14, verse 1, the Bible says, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Um, I've known men who have told me that they're atheists. Okay, That is, they don't believe there is a God. It doesn't make much sense when you look around at the human body or you look around at God's creation. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to believe that there isn't a God. Okay, But whether a man or a woman says, I don't believe there is a God, or whether it's a person who lives like there is no God, the same application applies from that verse. God calls that person a fool. A person who says, I don't believe there is a God, God says, you're a, you're a fool. Because, look around. But God would also call somebody a fool who would say, oh, I believe there is a God, but then they go and they live like there is no God. That God would also say that person is a fool. A fool is somebody who despises wisdom and destruction. The word fool literally means someone who's wicked, perverse, vile. Okay. What's the characteristics of a fool? What does a fool look like? A fool might say something like this. What do they know? What do they know? Now, do you know somebody like that? Is that you? I'm not saying we should go around hook, line, and sinker just believing everything everybody says. That'd be a simple person, right? We already know we ought not do that. The scorner is trying to get everybody to follow them. The fool doesn't really care about any of that. You know what? He doesn't care about anything. What do they know? What do they know? What do they know? What does anybody know? Except for himself. Uh, some characteristics of a fool. The fool is stubborn. Now, a scorner can be stubborn, too, and there is some overlap here, but the fool is stubborn. Uh, he despises wisdom and instruction, and he hates knowledge. Everybody in this room, every one of us in this room, no matter how old we are or what degrees we have or what, ex- what a level of experience we have, every one of us in this room ought to be wise enough to say, to, to recognize wisdom and, and be willing and able to take instruction. Can I say that again? Every one of us in this room ought to be willing to receive godly and wise instruction. There, there are some of you in this room that when I'll be doing something around the house, and I think it was a plumbing issue, and I, <laughs> I tried it on my own first, didn't I? Soldering on my back, dripping, you know, and it was hot and it was terrible, and then it leaked, and I'm not a plumber. And finally, Cindy said, for like the sixth time, Mr. Yorch has offered before. <laughs> he would not mind if you called him. And, and then she said something like this If you were Mr. Yorch, wouldn't you want your pastor to call you? No need to comment, Terry. No need to comment, okay? <laughs> but you see, we've all played that part, but it's a wise person. And Mr. George came over, he said, hold it like this, do it like that. And I mean, it wasn't a couple minutes, it was done. Done, no leaks. We ought to be readily willing to receive wisdom and instruction, and certainly in physical things, but especially in eternal matters. In spiritual things. But a fool is stubborn. He hates instruction. Don't tell me how to do it. And by the way, these characteristics can show up in a small child. Dad, it wasn't that long ago. We're down in that quarry down the road there in Adrian. Dad's teaching me how to swim. And he's saying, kick like this and kick and pull, kick and pull. I can still remember, kick and pull. And he's got me by my stomach and I kept wiggling away from him. And I was just a little guy and I'd say, I can do it by myself. 
And I was only what? Four? Five? I don't know. Three? Okay. Three! A fool at three! All right? Case in point. All right. Don't be a fool! See, we can learn. We don't have to continue in that way. If you are a fool, you don't have to continue. He, a fool has no delight in understanding. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart can discover himself. I'm just trying to figure out who I really am in this life. And, uh, he despises those to, to try to help him. He despises people who try to help him. It says, The fools despise wisdom and instruction. Don't tell me what to do. The fool is stubborn, he's corrupt. He trusts in his own morally corrupt heart, and his actions prove that he's morally foolish. And the word foolish means stupid. It's not a word we use, but that's the idea. He's a liar. Proverbs 10 and verse 18 says that he hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. He's self-confident, though. Proverbs 12 and verse 15, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Is everything you think right in your own eyes? I can tell you, I'm 39 years old, and there's a lot about this book I know, and there's a lot about it I still don't have a grasp and a handle on like I want to. But you know what? Here's my perspective on life. There's a lot of things I don't know, but this book has the answer, and I'm continually looking to this book to guide and direct my steps, looking to this book to make me the daddy and the husband and the pastor and the friend that I ought to be. I don't want to play the fool. I already got it all figured out. You know, I don't really... Don't be the fool. The fool is corrupt. He's a liar. He's self-confidence. He laughs at sin. This is, this is telling here. Proverbs 14, verse 9 says, Fools make a mock at sin. Proverbs 10 and verse 23 says, It is as a sport to a fool to do mischief. Now, we're not talking about just having a good time. We're talking about things that are against God's word. But a man of understanding hath wisdom. Saturday Night Live. It's still on, right? You don't know? Okay, it is, I think, isn't it? It's still on. It's been on a long time. They've made a lot of money. Exalting fools, exalting scorners, and leading simple people who laugh at whatever they do. Tearing down authority, mocking righteousness, making a mockery of sin, glorifying sin. It's funny. Can I ask you a question? Is sin funny? What are, what, is, what are the wages of sin? What's the payment, the just earnings of sin? Death. A fool laughs at it. It's funny. Did you see what they did? Can you believe that? That's so funny. It's not funny. It's foolish. It's foolish to mock sin. He laughs at it. He brings shame to himself and others. Proverbs 3 and verse 35 says, The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. Guess what? If you're a fool, you're going to get a promotion. Shame. Have you ever done something only to be found out and you were ashamed of it? Have you ever done that? Do you remember what that felt like? Shame. I can remember more times than I want to recall. I can remember the feeling of shame. That's the promotion of fools. And it should be no surprise because they're, they're not willing to receive any instruction. I don't care about truth. I'm going to live my life according to my rules. I'm going to live like there is no God. And guess what? Their sh- shame is the promotion of fools. And it shouldn't surprise us. He brings shame to himself. He brings shame to others. Proverbs 17, verse 25 said, A foolish son is grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. Shame and bitterness. The fool is, the fool is brutish, is like a beast. He, that is, he continually repeats what he has done over and over again. He, does, he goes into the sin, the same sin, over and over and over and over and over again. 
Proverbs 26 and verse 11 says, As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. And what are the consequences for a fool? Proverbs 1, verse 32, look there, here in chapter 1 of Proverbs. The latter part of verse 32, he says, The prosperity of fools shall destroy them. As parents, sometimes we look at our children and we say, wow, they're doing great, they're excelling, look at what they're able to purchase, look at the vacations they can take, look at the things that they can buy. Wow, from the world's perspective, they are succeeding at life. The Bible actually says it's the prosperity of fools that destroys them. You ought to thank God if God has taken some things away to get your attention. There are three men that I know that, I'm, that are, I would consider friends of mine. And all three of those men lost a great deal. And all three of those men that have looked at me and have told me, if this is what it took for God to get a hold of my attention, losing all of this, it was worth it. It's a dangerous thing when a fool can go on prospering and never know what he's missing out on. Never know the path that he's on. The prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Proverbs 3 and verse 35 says, Shame shall be the promotion of fools. In Psalm 107 and verse 17 it says, Fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat and they draw near unto the gates of death. So what's the conclusion and we'll be done. Psalm 107 and verse 19 says, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he saveth them out of their distresses. What, what's the hope for a simple person? What's the hope for a scorner? What's the hope for a fool? The hope is that they cry out to the Lord, Jehovah, in their trouble, and that he saves them out of their distresses. And in verse 20 of that psalm, it says, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. You see, the word of God can make the simple person wise, The word of God can soften the stiff neck of a scorner. And the word of God can break into pieces the heart, the hard heart of a fool. But the answer is we must must be willing to turn. Look as we conclude at verse 23 of chapter 1. He says, turn you at my reproof. Talking to the simple and the scorner and the fool in verse 22. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. We'll look at these personalities and others in greater depth as we go through our study. But I want you to know something right up front. I've played all five of these personalities. My prayer for my life and for my children and my wife, my family, for us as a congregation is that we would be wise. As I preach and teach through these personalities, know this, I've played them all. And you probably have too. But if you are characterized, as we look at the word of God, as a simpleton or a scorner or a fool or a sloth or a sluggard, you know what? Turn. Turn. At the word of God. Turn into the way of the word of God and God can change your life. He can. You don't have to live your life as one of those personalities.